Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. If you're looking for news, tips, and stories about fishing the Great Lakes, you've come to the right place. And now your host, Chris Larson. Hello and welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast. Today's show goes back to the Niagara Fishing and Outdoor Expo. Captain Vince Pierleoni from Thrill Seeker Sport Fishing joins the show to talk salmon fishing gear. Vince breaks down his favorite downriggers, dipsy setups, and planer boards. We also discuss charter fishing and how it compares to tournament fishing and much, much more. Trevor Sumption from Fishhawk Electronics is co-hosting this episode. Popularity of Chinook salmon and coho salmon is at an all-time high. Um, we have a lot of great fisheries, but that Pacific salmon fishery is very unique as people know and and in you know the great lakes it's as good as anywhere if not better so people get to enjoy it uh more and more people are buying uh, multi-use boats they can fish walleye Mm -hmm. salmon and uh, they have some of the equipment already and uh certainly um you know the fish hawk has been a game changer because these guys can dial in their speeds you know that that, that salmon like for each presentation. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted to talk to you about. We got about 18 minutes here, um, just to talk about some of the gear that's on your boat that you use to do your job, catch more fish for people. What are some of the kind of the favorite pieces of equipment that you have on your boat? So we covered that in the in the seminar. Um, you know, Lake Ontario. Fortunately, we're not we're not crystal clear. We have a lot of fertility in the water. We get a lot of turbidity out of out of uh, the Niagara River coming from Lake Erie, so downriggers still play a very big role. They're very efficient, you know. And uh, after that, we got dipsy divers, extremely important. Catch a lot of nice salmon on dipsy divers, and then uh, inline planer boards, very uh, versatile. They work lead core and uh, shorter coppers on the inline planer boards. Let's kind of dig into each one of those. What are you using for downriggers in your boat, and why did you choose that? So I run Canon uh, Optimums, the Digitrol Optimums. Uh, it's a long, long way from my first set of downriggers, which was hand-crank Riviera downriggers. Mm-hmm. And in fact, there were guys in the class that remem- remembered <laughs> yeah. those. Yeah. yeah, and laughed. And one guy mentioned, you know, if you if you didn't put the latch on the handle, you got a knuckle buster. <laughs> but uh, now we've got. These downriggers that give us uh, you know, real-time info on the downrigger, give us speed, temperature, and we can even see bottom, things like that, that, you know, that was not even thought of years ago. And, and uh, I really enjoy the, uh, the speed and the auto-stop features, uh, which for me, being a charter captain, you've been able to, to, you know, bring a rigger up and not worry about it. You know, hitting the top and breaking the ball off. And when you speak, when you say speed, you mean the retrieve speed, retrieve the, the speed. fast retrieve yeah, speed. Yeah, retrieve speed. Yeah, yeah. yeah you that that auto up, you just push the, the auto button, up. Yeah, you can walk away from it. Exactly, it comes up, stops. You know, a foot short. It's and, very you know, very valuable. When we when we collaborated with Canon on that project, you know, to obviously to get the fishhawk information on there, you know, we knew it would be cool. I mean, we're like, okay, yeah, this will be a cool project, but not until I actually saw it on the boat i think we went out of sturgeon bay one day you know it was the first time that i actually used it on the water it's like <clears throat> what i thought and what i actually saw was like okay this is this is beyond cool this is this is really 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 nice right uh and 
yeah, I mean, I, I was, you know, and, and here I've been working on this for a couple of years and had a, kind of my own expectations. And then all of a sudden now you see this stuff on there and it's like, it's, it's, I'm, I'm not going to say game changer, but it's, it's pretty darn nice. Pretty darn nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a, it's very <clears throat> nice to have. So, uh, we also had a lot of positive feedback in the class, uh, because there's so many people running these multi-species boats now. They, they may not have, you know, that, that Mac Daddy of downriggers, but they're running those TDs. Mm -hmm. So they're able to tell, which is also a fishhawk unit. You guys obviously know that, but they're able to tell whether divers are running or maybe they're one copper rod that they have out. And, and you know, surpri not surprisingly, there were a lot of charter captains in the class, too, that were familiar with the equipment, but were just looking to keep learning, you know, especially if they were from another area. Trevor, I'll let you kind of explain that. I think Vince is right, and I was telling you, I had somebody walk by the booth today that was familiar with Fishhawk and how it worked, but wasn't familiar with some of the other products. He knew what the X4 was, what the X4D was. Uh, but talk about that TD and how salmon anglers, salmon trollers, could put that to work for themselves. So there's really two applications for the TD for even somebody that might have a, a you know, an X4, X4D on the boat. I mean, there's, there's, there's kind of two applications where um, that's still a really valuable piece of equipment, you know, to add kind of their arsenal. First one is, is there's nothing faster. And what I mean by that is, is uh, in the, in the five foot mode, you know, where it, where it shows you the water temperature every five feet, um, you can motor out and, you know, if you're a guy like me, right. And fishes on the weekend and I don't know where temp is now, fortunately I got buddies like, you know, I can say, hey, you know, and then like, you know, whatever. But uh, but beyond that, um, uh, if I don't know where I'm going, it is way faster to send the TD down on a rod and reel with some X, you know, two, three ounces of weight. Does I usually use a three? Uh, it's way faster to run out 100 feet of water, drop the TD, TD down, see my water temp every five feet than it is to run out, lower a downrigger, raise a downrigger. Okay, well, it's not here, I gotta keep going. So that's application number one. Application number two is like Vince was saying, as far as knowing where your tackle is running, you can let that TD, you set it to what we call the, the by depth mode, where it only gives you the maximum depth. Uh, you have your dipsy diver out there running and uh, you clip that thing over the line, turn it on, let it slide down to the dipsy diver it'll tell you exactly what the maximum or to the nearest foot it'll tell you the maximum depth in there and in order of course over the course of time just by writing down that information let's say you're going to pull that dipsy anyways and it's out 175 on a number two um you know before you clear that line you're going to change lures maybe you're done for the day run the td down takes an extra minute you know whatever uh crank it in write the information down over the course of a few days of fishing month of fishing whatever you end up with a lot of data then at that point you can go back make a little spreadsheet at home and now you have a depth chart for how your tackle runs um so now you you know um you know the, the stuff on the back of the package sometimes gets you close sometimes it's not even close you know who runs dipsy divers on 25 pound model anymore right i mean so right. uh you know you know now you've actually got data that's that's derived from your you know from the tackle on your boat so those are kind of the two things that the, the td does even if you have the even if you have a you know a regular fishhawk system on the boat. So. And you were talking yesterday uh, in a, a seminar. People were asking kind of when to do it. And you're like, well, you can go out 
and spend a whole day going through, or you can do like what you just said, which yeah. is you know, and I don't you're ready to pull that rod. I don't like I don't like dropping divers or copper and reeling it back in more than anybody else does. You know, certainly not these guys that do it every day. Uh, so just by just by uh, um, just by you know accumulating that data over over the course of a season or a couple weeks or whatever. Uh, you know, you just keep filling in your spreadsheet essentially, and uh, and you end up with you know you end up with a lot of data pretty quickly. So you're talking about using the inline boards with lead core, short copper. Um, what what boards are you using? I use Ninja boards. They're, they're from Dreamweaver. Mm-hmm. Uh, very very reliable and easy to use. Um, the, 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 there's multiple sizes depending on your application, and that uh, they've worked out really well for me. We had uh, one thing I wanted to bring up in relevant to the, the X4, the X4D. We didn't have an awful lot of uh, pre-fish time this year when we first got to the East End for some pro-ams. And we didn't have the concentration of big salmon at home in Alcott when we left. It was, uh, it was early July. But we were catching some really nice fish, and we were keying in on the temperature these fish wanted to wanted to ride at. It was much higher in the column where where we left. When we got east, it was deeper, but we found our key fish were coming from the same temperature. And I'm gonna, I can give you the temperature. I'll tell you, it was 48 degrees, but it's not always the same. Mm-hmm. It was just ironic that those bigger fish were coming out of that temperature in the, in the thermocline and a total different in a total different column of water when I got east, when it was deeper. And, you know, that, that was a, a part of our success. It makes you wonder if that's like forage driven or, you know, I mean, it's, you know, you get those little things like that where, you know, they're consistent in different areas. And it kind of, you kind of have to ask the question, you know, what's, what's really, what's, what's going on here that's right. making this, making this the same in a different spot. So we talked about kind of what you're running as far as lines. How about rod and reel setup? What are you using there? So I run uh, Akuma rods and reels. Um, I run the 30 size for uh, my riggers and my my wires. Uh, and then we have uh, larger reels for the coppers and the lead cores. You know, the cold water makes a 55 series uh, Akuma cold water. And then there's larger convectors also that will store that amount of line. But uh, you know, they, they've been they've been reliable for us. How about how about the rods? Kuma rods. Uh, I like I like ten foot rods for my di- for my my divers, which are primarily wire divers. Um, they call it medium heavy, but they're really not. Um, they're more of a medium action. Got a parabolic parabolic action to it, and uh, takes up a lot of the shock. And um, then we put uh, what's considered old school, but I prefer the twilly tips uh, because. Any position that rod gets turned in, you avoid the kinks at the end. And uh, you know, some people like the roller guides, but you got to really pay attention to position to of the position rod. Of rod. Mm-hmm. It's good, something to think of. Yeah. So we've talked about kind of what's on the back end of the boat. How about the front end of the boat? Uh, at least at the helm, what are you running for electronics other than the fish hook? So I run a Humminbird Helixes um, and uh, dual frequency. There's Certain times for 50s, certain times for 200, but uh, no, they've been good for us as well. How do you utilize them? What does it look like? What's your setup look like when it comes to these electronics? So in the boat that I fish the, the tournaments out of, I have an overhead set 
Well, well I have, uh, you know, GPS and radar and the other side's fish finder. I also have a lower set uh, for the helmsman, so he doesn't have to do this all the time. But uh, when you're in the cockpit, you can see the overhead. And, um, you know, we have redundancy with multiple uh, transducers. And, and um, so that's what it looks like. And then I have a fishhawk high and I have a fishhawk head low. Use obviously one at a time, but uh, um, that's helpful too. But of course, we have the data on the optimums as well. So having that information at the back of the boat when you're working in that area is really valuable. Very valuable. All right, we got a question here, and I answered this question like yesterday, Trevor. <laughs> you answer it this time, uh, Trevor. When is the next best fishhawk next generation coming out? Bought my fishhawk X4D for my salmon boat from Fishing in 2020. Serious charter boat captains are ready for new features. The, the simple answer is it'll it'll be out when it's ready, <laughs> and I wish I could I wish I could answer it because we uh, we can do uh, uh, if it's things that are within our control uh, then that's great but uh, there's just so many things out of our control and this whole uh, you know. Uh, we're just a small company, but we are part of a global supply chain. And for some reason, I can't figure out why Toyota gets microchips faster than I do. You know, if, <laughs> if somebody knows the answer, if you, you got any hookups over at Toyota, uh, send them my way because uh, there's a few pieces we need. But no, uh, I think you said it the other day, you know, we're always working on, you know, what's next. Uh, and that horizon has been pushed out, you know, over the last few years, just based on just simple availability of, of parts and, and uh um, so, uh, the answer is David, when it's ready. And, and I don't know when that is yet. So always working on stuff, always yeah. trying, trying to, I mean, if you're not, you're doing that as an angler too, you're always trying to get Absolutely. better. I mean, you've been in this business for a long time. You've been doing this, but if you just said, Hey, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. It's not, not going to get you too far. I mean, obviously you want to work on that bedrock and the things, you know, but you're always looking for new stuff. That's a really, really good term. I like that. Definitely do not want to mess with the bedrock, but you're always working to the edge. And something to keep in mind, something I drove home in the in the salmon school was if these fish didn't adapt and change, there wouldn't be any left to hundreds and hundreds of years by not only man, but bears and, and, and overhead birds of prey. Everybody wants a bite of those things. And so they change. We have to change with them. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we have to we have to get better, or we're going backwards. Mm -hmm. So you're a charter captain, but you're also you do a ton of tournaments as well. Talk to us kind of about your your tournament schedule and what you've got planned this year. So I think we're going to do ten this year. We 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 used to do more on the Canadian side. Uh, we might ease back into that. Uh, what happened was, you know, they closed the border down mm -hmm. and. And we ended up with bookings on those dates of those tournaments, and they were great folks and enjoyed fishing with them, and they had a great yeah, hard, time. Hard to turn that down when hard, they get those dates in. Hard yeah. to turn it down because uh, you're really letting them down. And and so uh, we're gonna do we're gonna do one in Canada this year. We love our our, our Canadian peers. They're great people. Um, we like seeing other areas of the lake and facing those challenges that each location gives us. But when you go to the, when you come from the west end of Lake Ontario and go to the east end of Lake Ontario, that is a really supreme challenge. Um, I, for example, the Oswego area is a very dynamic. Our area with the, with the Niagara flow, very dynamic, but they're different. Up there, I mean, you get in the midsummer period when they hold their pro-ams and those, those temp changes and current changes are drastic. 
So you can get a you can have a magical bite overnight that you didn't see coming, and you can have it go really, really, really tough and dry. So we, we just we just really enjoy the challenge, and I, and I'm fortunate to have clients that enjoy the challenge. I incorporate clients into my tournament schedule, and um, it helps us see all, see different different ports, meet different people, and met some of the best friends I have. I've met through tournament fishing. Yeah, that's something that I wasn't didn't really know. But when the charter guys are fishing these tournaments, a lot, a lot of times it's clients on board. It's clients who are reeling in the fish, you know. And but typically that's something those clients book. You tell them straight up front, "Hey, we're fishing a tournament." So I'm assuming that's a different type of client base that comes in to do that. Tell me about those people and kind of how how you uh, I guess kind of laid that out for them and what you're going to be doing. Yeah, you you really got to screen it because you know if. if most of the time we spend a day or two pre-fishing and uh, effective pre-fishing doesn't always mean smashing fish. You know, you may want to eliminate water. You may want to dabble where you think it's going to be good, uh, but they need to understand that. But anytime you put a hook in the water, you can catch a fish of a lifetime. And we've had it happen. We've had trophy class fish of all the species in the Great Lakes caught not only during the tournaments, but during pre-fish days, and even, you know, derby prize-winning fish. We have summer-long derby going on, so everybody gets entered in it to be eligible. And then, you know, you're getting ready for the main event. So, yes, they have to be screened, the proper mindset to know that, you know, we're going to do this, you're going to enjoy it more if we take it serious. And, you know, that takes special people. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of times it's the same. You get, like, the same crew a lot of times for those tournaments, right? I mean, it's like, I want to book this tournament yes. next year, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I have one gentleman yeah. in particular that books the majority of them. He's, he's become a great angler um, through fishing tournaments with me. But I've incorporated some new crews in the last couple of years, and they've done well also. So you got new crews. And then the other thing is, and you talked about a few minutes ago, you know, you're going to new ports and different places. And obviously you've been around long enough where you kind of have an idea of how everything sets up. But what's that like when you've been fishing your home port for, let's say, a month, and then all of a sudden we're going to steam, you know, 60, 70 miles to the east and go fish out of that? You know, what's that transition like? So last year, and, and I won't say I won't say it was the exception, but it isn't always the case where exactly what you were doing when you left is the best way to approach it. And, and that's what happened. I, I talked a lot about the migration of, of the Pacific salmon in our lake in the summer. And I believe we just kind of stayed with it or stayed ahead of the migration. So they were really some of the same fish that we were fishing for at home, but they just used the lake differently over there. Maybe further from shore, deeper in the water column, things like that. So that that's a case. And there's other times you get, you get you know, 100, 120 miles down the lake and you really have to start from scratch. You may be even a different species, you know, so the Pro-Am formats are multi-species and it may not, you may not be able to get your box of just salmon. You may have to mix in some trout. So, you know, that's where it gets, you know, interesting, a lot of strategy on yeah. decisions made. Do you enjoy that? Or what do you enjoy? If I can say you can only do one, you can either take clients out as, as a charter captain or a tournament angler, what would you choose? That, that's, that's a tough one, right? Oh, I've never been asked that. That's great. Um, you know, I, it, as long as as long as you could uh, make it to the end of the year and get your bills paid and everything, it'd be hard for me to to not to not choose tournament fishing. But 
I, I really love the change day to day of different people on the boat and things like that. So I think that all in all, it, it would be no different than a, a sports team that was with each other all the time, traveling in the locker room and I, on the water too. And, you know, we'd probably end up <laughs> with some fisticuffs at some point. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, we're wrapping up with the events. Is there anything you wanted to talk about today that we didn't ask you? Um, just know that, you know, that it's there's no guarantees and and uh, the popularity is the Pacific salmon. But they are they are an introduced species of the Great Lakes. Stay involved. Look to protect where you can. Every different region of the Great Lakes is is got its own challenges and and as long as the user groups stay high, let let the uh, agencies know how much you like fishing for these fish and and come to things like this and be a part of it. Uh, that's the best you can do. And always, I always remind people, don't don't get upset when your lines are littered with with skipper fish, you know, first year salmon. Be careful with those fish because once they make it to 12 to 18 inches long, they're the ones that are going to be big, big fish. We get a tremendous amount of mortality and predation on the little guys, the fingerlings, birds, warm water predators. But once they hit that skipper size, man, handle them with care. Use a lot of care. Don't just rip the hooks out because those fish are going to be seven, eight, nine, ten pounds by the following year and go up from there. So that's probably what I would share. Very good. Captain Vince Pierleoni from Thrill Seeker Sport Fishing Vince. Appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks Always a lot. Always super gracious with your time. It's great seeing you. Nice haircut. Guests. Thanks. Yep. Oh. It's very close. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Vince. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. For more information on fishing the Great Lakes, visit our blog at fishhawkelectronics.com.